Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and Merry Christmas, listeners, to our latest installment of the MBM M&A Snack and Chat podcast. I'm Brian Shaw, corporate partner in MBM's London office, and I'm joined, as always, by my very festive today colleague, Caroline Urban. Merry Christmas, Caroline. Ho, 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 Brian. Merry Christmas. Yes. It's been, a, it's been an interesting year. It's been a long year. It's been a, an isolated year. Let, let's put it that way. Oh, We've, very isolated. We can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're there. It's Christmas. It's time to let our hair down. And, and allow three households into our house. But as many as we like, virtually. So today's show is, is, is different. It's a festive show. It's in the spirit of Christmas. We are ripping up the script. We are snacking and chatting all things M&A with a Christmas theme today. And on that note, Caroline, do you have yourself a Merry Christmas snack? Oh, I do, Brian. I managed to get my hands on some Lebkuchen, which is my favorite German traditional Christmas snack. It's made of ground almonds and it's covered in chocolate. They're like biscuits and they're mm. delicious. Go on. What have you got for us today? What's your snack? I've got a jolly old chocolate Santa. Milk chocolate um, from Cadbury's. So there you go. But that's not Australian. And we've already, I've already had a lamington and a pavlova. I mean, how many uh, desserts do the Aussies have? Well, I mean, the pavlova is questionable as Australian to start with, but surely the Aussies have a little bit of Christmas spirit. Well, see, it's, it's hot in Australia. So really, Australian Christmas is all about barbecues at the beach, VB and, and two E's in your hand and, and playing some beach cricket and beating the, beating the beer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back to a little bit more seriousness. Um, so today... We don't have any special guests on today, so we're just going to have a chat about, about M&A deals that have happened at Christmas. So, Caroline, tell the listeners, has anything happened to you at a, doing an M&A deal over the Christmas period? We all know as lawyers it's a, uh, it's a busy time and all our clients want things done before Christmas. So, Always the way, isn't it? Somehow Christmas cannot happen until certain things are signed and dealt with and bought or sold. So this is also a good time of year to, to reflect on things that have happened. And I've just, it sprung to mind as a junior lawyer, I was working on an M&A transaction where our client was an American private equity house, hungry, eager, lots of money to spend. And we were working night and day to acquire an augmented vision business. Mm. And on the 23rd of December, we managed to sign the agreement and the seller's name was none other than Jamie Christmas. How apt. It was a fun deal. It was, <laughs> uh, it was punchy. I think we completed the whole thing in about four weeks. But hey, it happened before Christmas. So, you know, Christmas could happen. Couldn't have happened. Christmas miracles. Christmas yes, miracles. Indeed. What Christ about you? You must have a couple of horror stories up your sleeve. One that, that springs to mind it was Christmas a couple of years ago now and um, we had a client that was they wanted to sell their business and the key point here is that the the company our client he couldn't pay his staff his Christmas bonus or their Christmas salary if the deal didn't go ahead before Christmas so and Christmas actually could not happen Christmas could not happen now we didn't know this at the time so leading you know, a week before Christmas you know we're doing turning the documents as you do and you know we're getting all things all lined up all of a sudden I think it was the 22nd of December we we get a call from the client to say I am meeting you at the lawyers for 
a private equity house. It's a big international law firm in the city. Won't name names. I'll see you there at one o'clock. And by the way, we're not leaving until the deal is done. Santa's going to have to come to the city. So off we trot down to this, this, this large law firm and we sit into this very lovely meeting room. And I must say the snacks were very good. Mulled uh, wine? No, no mulled wine. It was a, there were drawers full of, of uh, sweets. The drawer was empty by the end of the deal. We arrived at one o'clock that afternoon. Went through 6 p.m., 7 p.m., still going. Anyway, long story short, we were there. Uh, it, was, it was about 3, 4 a.m. The client even fell asleep. Literally, the client fell asleep. We're trying to explain to him, you know, what the clauses meant. And he, he was nodded, he nodded off. I oh, see warranties will put people to sleep. <laughs> yeah. um, and we could have put, you know, a brown paper bag in front of him and he would have signed it. You know, it, it, was, it, it, it was interesting. Anyway, we got to, through to 8, 9 a.m., we finally, we got it done, I think it was 3 p.m. on the next day, 23rd of December, signed, money transferred, Christmas was saved, staff was paid their salaries and their, and their Christmas bonuses and um, got to have a night, night's rest in my own bed the next night. At about 6 p.m. I crashed. So that was good. That was... Um, that's that's punchy. Know. Yeah, and, and the client, you know, he, in seriousness, he was very grateful for the that we went above and beyond for him and that we got the deal done and it was closed and he was very happy at the end of the day. Oh. Do I hear a doorbell? A, yeah, I heard something. Do we have a guest on this show? Oh, oh my ho, gosh. Ho. Oh, my Merry God. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Hey, it's Santa. No, it's not Santa. It's it's Michael Arnott, our fellow partner from our London office. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, I'm, I'm doing very well. I, I hear there was a pod, Christmas podcast going on with no guests. I thought I'd come and join you. Oh, what a special treat. More the merrier. What have, what have you been up to? So we're just regaling some Christmas M&A stories um, while we are snacking and chatting. So speaking of which... You have to bring us a snack to be on this podcast. What's your right. Christmas snack? Well, as, as I've had quite a, a limited amount of notice for this snack, I'm going to have to default to some toast with, toast with some of my own honey on it, which is all I really snack on. That's very special to have on our podcast. Mm. Am I your, am I your first beekeeper? Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, we can get on to the beekeeping horror stories next. So, Michael, you know, while, while you're here, um, any M&A Christmas stories that you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, there have been a few M&A Christmases, and, and as you all have had as, as well, Brian, I expect it's a busy time of year, and quite often there are deals that need to get done before, before Christmas. Everyone wants their deals to be done before Christmas, and that's a, a, a perennial hurdle we have to clear as lawyers and generally we do it quite well i've had one completion that i can at least one completion that's completed actually on christmas eve which was very nice to get home in the evening on christmas eve knowing the deal was done and being able to relax into christmas by contrast like a lot of lawyers i've had the deals that haven't managed to complete on christmas eve and have then rolled through and i've had to sneak off for the odd email on Christmas Day, Boxing mm. Day, just to keep things under control so that when we get back into the office on the 27th, we haven't fallen, you know, you get that 
competition between law firms, don't you? See who can see who can send the most emails on Christmas Day, which is not a very healthy thing to do, but um, sometimes you've got to do it to get the deal done. Well, whilst we've got you, have you got any other good m stories you can share with us? My most enjoyable completion meeting, and this is going back a few years, we were, we were selling a well-known brand of serpentine beer, uh, often seen in curry houses, um, to, to Molson Coors. And one of the joys about selling a company that makes alcoholic beverages is that you can be confident that at your completion meeting, there is, of course, a large bucket filled with chilled beer available to be opened <laughs> after the signing. That was the largest completion meeting I ever went to, I think. We had probably 30 lawyers from both firms, a whole bunch of clients and various other interested parties without getting into too many details and there was a huge sign we were in their boardroom we must have we had something like 58 documents that needed to be signed by various different counterparties it was a huge logistical exercise and we started off at 10 in the morning and it was only having worked all through the night before to get this all done I should add and uh, we finished it at about three or four o'clock in the afternoon on zero sleep and one one bottle of cold fizzy lager uh, after having had no sleep, had an extraordinary effect on everyone who was gathered there. We were all in the same boat. And suddenly, having been very diligent and stressful lawyers, people very rapidly became very silly, shall we merry, say. Like a, merry, like a... Very merry. So that was Christmassy Christmas. in a way. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It was a June Christmas. And then and then the, the, big, the big horror story, which was near Christmas, but not quite as at Christmas, was in... Um, was in Germany, in Nuremberg, not far from not far from where you grew up, Caroline. I think. Uh oh, lots of big things have happened <laughs> in Nuremberg. Yeah, well, <laughs> they have. This was not the biggest, but we were trying to sell a business that owned and leased road manufacturing equipment. You know those jackhammers and diggers and all that mm. kind of stuff. And it, it not only did it own them, but it also had its own workforce that it would it would use to go and fulfill government contracts to dig up roads and build infrastructure projects. And we went in to that business, which was in financial difficulty, trying to sell it. And the board, in their wisdom, and I should say against our advice, refused or didn't have the funds to pay their workforce at the end of the week or the end of the month. And of course, we were in the office on that day, we didn't actually know that the directors hadn't paid their workforce against our advice. Seems to be a theme. Mm. We then found out about this while we were on a conference call to the lawyers in London, because we heard a commotion outside and we went out and we realized that this workforce, you know, this is a gang of big burly men with beards who are used to getting their own way and who spend their time lifting very heavy things and operating large machinery. And when they found out they hadn't been paid, rather than maybe, you know, ringing up the Citizens Advice Bureau or talking to some friends seeking advice, there was only one thing they were going to do, and that was going to be Storm HQ. So they came up to the top floor, and I'd left all my, my equipment, my briefcase in the next door room. Uh, I think my wallet was in there as well. So when I heard this, I nipped out of the room to pick up my stuff and come back in. And just as I was getting back into the room, and I was with my trainee, who happened to be from Luxembourg and they were looking for the English people because the owner of the business was English and he had this English law firm with him. Uh oh. 
So as as I was approaching the door back into the uh, the CEO's office where we were negotiating this deal from, from the other end of the corridor, an enormous German pneumatic drill operator pointed pointed at the two of us and said and said, "Englander, since the Englander, are you Englishmen?" Uh, and I sort of paused, thinking to myself, "How am I going to answer this question?" And before I could answer it, my trainee, who was from Luxembourg, very honestly and truly said, nine Luxemburger, which, which bought us enough time to be able to walk the few more steps into the office and shut the door and lock it before they came hammering on the door. I think I, if I'd been with an English trainee, we might have been caught out earlier on. We then locked ourselves in the room. Thankfully, good, sturdy German engineering meant they couldn't break the door down, but they tried. So we, of course, called the police and we were locked in there for four hours under siege until eventually a policeman came to the door and said, hello, I'm the police, can, can I come in? So of course we said, well, this is all in German. We said, well, you would say you're the police, wouldn't you? I mean, it's taken you four hours to get there, but you would say that. Anyway, so we weren't quite sure whether or not it was the police and we eventually we got, we thought, well, we can't stay here forever. So in spite of there being the potential for a, uh, an engineer outside to be claiming to be the police when he wasn't, we opened the door and it was a policeman and we were whisked out uh, and they they shut off the street in for one block in every direction with their diggers, so no traffic could get past. So we had a police escort back to our hotel. We then got a death threat in the hotel, uh, and so we it all got a bit serious. So we decided the best thing to do was to decamp to Munich. So we finished the deal in an airport hotel in Munich after all that had gone on. So that was a little bit hectic, but we got the deal done in the end. And I haven't been back to Munich since, <laughs> um, but I would. I'm sure we've been forgiven. Well, I hope that doesn't leave a bad, bad memory of good old Bavaria. <laughs> no, well, speaking speaking of Germans, I know this is not a German uh, bashing uh, episode, so Caroline. But um, that's fine. We, I'm used to it. <laughs> we had a German deal a few years ago. I recall, um, again around Christmas time. The tactic was very interesting from the from the Germans. So we were acting for the German side, a British law firm acting for friendly Germans who were acquiring a SaaS business based up in Leeds. Our clients were from, I think they were from Munich as well. Obviously we were London and the target was in Leeds. So they all decided most convenient place for everyone to meet was Heathrow Airport. We booked a, a meeting room underneath, I think, Terminal 2. People flew down from Leeds, from Munich, from all over the country. And we all, we all gathered in this little meeting room. And the tactics of our client was very interesting. Um, it's called the, the German negotiating tactic. So we all had roles, specific roles, like we're in a, a murder mystery night. And, <laughs> and he said, look, the, the key here, though, is that the, the decision maker, the way he said, the decision maker. Oh, and he sent us a thesis about this as well, by the way. He said, the decision maker, he is not in the room. Okay. So what we do is, and it's actually good advice. We let them always go first to offer their uh, approach. Don't go back on each point of the uh, of negotiation. Just listen to it as a package. So if they have 10 points, they let them talk and we'll just listen. Okay. So so they have their 10 points and I always say, thank you, thank you. We take notes. And then we say, thank you. We need 10 minutes to think about, you know, we'll, we'll think about it. Thank you. We all go to our breakout rooms. We come back and we come back with our own package with all against all 10 items. And no matter what happens, if they agree or put a counter proposal, we always say we need to seek permission from, from the decision maker, who of course there was no real decision maker, the decision maker was him, 
but he was saying there was a decision maker in another room. The, the tale of the story is that most of what we wanted was agreed in our favor because of that approach. That's clever. I might adopt that on the next set of negotiations. Yeah. Brian, I was thinking, you know, once we've got Michael here, do you think, um, do you think we should ask him a few follow-up questions? Are you thinking uh, rapid fire round? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it would be a real shame not to make use of this occasion. He is a busy man. It's another Christmas miracle. It's only 60 seconds, Michael. Okay, I can, I can spare 60 seconds. Okay, so in 60 seconds, answer as many questions as you can. Just think of the first thing that comes to mind. So, in one word or phrase only. On your mark, get set. What was your first job? Pizza delivery boy. I don't know why that's Which company were you delivering for? It was a local one night. It was a local um, pizza <laughs> pizza restaurant in Henley. A, a, <laughs> This is true in Henley upon Thames, and uh, I didn't know where I was going. And this is before sat nav, so you know I had a road map. And it was dark, of course, because it was in the evening. And it, you know, it took about two hours to deliver a pizza. Everyone got complaints, and I had very nice conversations <laughs> with the people I was dropping them off. And they came back and said, "This is it's not it's not going to work." So uh, I got the sack. But that, I think that was the first one. <laughs> I think I think you've had your sixty seconds. <laughs> Be professional. <laughs> Caroline, you carry on. What is your favourite holiday destination? Isle of Wight. Keep going, Caroline. <laughs> if, you were, if you were having a dinner party and could invite three guests, alive, dead or fictional, who would you invite and why? Well, we should have uh, Jesus, the Prophet Muhammad, and Buddha. Favorite movie? 1917. Just watched it. What are you currently reading? The Age of Surveillance Capitalism by Joshana, Joshana Zuboff. If Richard Branson sat next to you on a flight, what would be your first question other than, are you Richard Branson? Why are you flying BA? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, if you could travel back in time to meet your 10-year-old self, what would you give him? Be kind and work hard. Skip the pizza delivery by job. Well, thank you for joining us today, Michael. It's been fun, you know, in the Christmas spirit. So that's it. It's a bit sad. That's it for the year. Join us next year when Caroline and I will be joined by many other special guests and where we will snack and chat all things MA. Merry Christmas and happy Merry New Year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye.